This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. It's been said that all roads lead to God. And this makes a certain amount of sense. In life, there are a thousand different ways to get where we're going. Winding scenic paths, wide, fast highways. We can walk or ride, drive or fly. Wrong turns and detours may slow us down, but sooner or later we make it. We get where we want to go. But there is a flaw in this way of thinking. The path to God is no road at all. It is a person. We're talking here about, is Jesus, in fact, the only way to God? Now, the world says that there are multiple different ways to get to God, that some people believe all religions get you to God. Is that true? One of the things that we established the very first week of April was the fact that Jesus claimed to be the only way, that there weren't a, a variety of different ways to get to God, that there's just one way to get to God. Now, in our inclusive society today, people don't like that. They, they don't want to hear that there's just one way. But if you're going to be a, a Christian, that's exactly what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And then he went on further and said, no one gets to the Father except through me, uh, except through Jesus. And so we're talking about, is that a valid position to take? And is that exactly what God's word has to say? And so we've been talking about uh, different aspects of is Jesus the only way through the month here of April. Today, I want to talk with you about this thing called the resurrection. Because um, we've got to know whether or not the resurrection was true. Can I, as an individual in 2017, really believe that Jesus is alive today. I don't know about you, but I kind of felt like his presence has been here already this morning, and I have felt the life of God uh, moving in this place as we've given worship unto him. But that's a very important question. The resurrection is a very important idea. It's important because it proved that Jesus is who he claimed to be. He didn't claim to be um, a great teacher. He didn't claim to be a religious founder. He claimed to be the way to God. In fact, he went a step further than that. He said, I'm even, I am God in the flesh. So when you look at Jesus, he said one time to those who were arguing with him, he said, if you look at me, you see the Father. In other words, every attribute of God is seen in the person of Jesus Christ. And, you know, it dawned on me this last week, if Jesus could conquer his own death, what does that mean that he can do in your life? What are the possibilities of what can happen in your life, things that seem impossible right now, but can totally turn because of the power of the resurrected Jesus? Well, how important is this whole idea of the resurrection? I want to tell you, it's so important that if you can 
If you can disprove the resurrection, you will blow the Christian faith to pieces. Did you know that? That's how important the resurrection is. It's because the resurrection is one of the fundamental principles or pillars of the Christian faith. And the Christian faith rests on, one of the pillars it rests on is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, which makes the Christian faith very unique in all the world. We are the only faith that claims that our founder died but rose again. In fact, if you go to the various tombs and graveyards of religious founders and leaders from all over the world, what you will find in that grave is an occupied tomb. You'll find an occupied grave. But if you go to the tomb of Jesus Christ, you're going to find that it is empty. The angel said clearly in Mark chapter 16, you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here he is risen from the dead. Now, Scripture itself gives a solid witness that Jesus was, in fact, resurrected from the dead. The story of Christ's resurrection is found in all four Gospels, in Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16. You'll find it in Luke chapter 24 and John chapter 20. And, and then the resurrected Christ even appears over in the book of Acts chapter 1. In fact, the scripture teaches us that the, resurrect, the resurrected, the risen Christ was seen by over 500 different individuals from the time he was crucified and died on the cross until the time that he ascended back to the Father. That's a pretty impressive number of people who saw him. The resurrection wasn't kept a secret. The, and each of those 500 people that saw him gave witness and testimony to the same thing, that Jesus appeared to them alive. But you know what? You and I weren't there. So how can we know today that Jesus is alive? I want to tell you just briefly why I believe Jesus is risen. And I will just tell you this. It's as simple as this. The dramatic change he has made in the lives of everyone he has touched. First of all, I want us to go back and look at the dramatic change that happened in this group of people called the disciples, who were later known um, as, I'm talking about the, the 12 disciples, who were later known as the apostles of, of the Lord. The disciples were different men. When you go back and read the Gospels, the disciples were different men after the resurrection than they were before the resurrection. If you know your Bible at all, you know that the disciples were, were often uh, struggling in their faith, struggling to understand what Jesus meant, and somewhat fearful for their futures, fearful for their lives. Because sometimes Jesus was very controvers controversial, and he made the Jewish leaders very angry. In fact, when Jesus was arrested, every one of these disciples fled the scene. Even Peter. And I mention him specifically because he's the one who had boasted that he would never leave the Lord, that even if it cost him his life, Jesus, you can count on me, I will be by your side no matter what. He says so in Matthew chapter 26, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. You can count on me, God. I'll be there. But I guess Jesus knew Peter better than Peter knew Peter. And uh, he told him in verse 34, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, 
you will deny me three times that you even know me. You will deny three times that you even know me. And that's exactly what happened. The Bible tells us that after Jesus was, arre was arrested and was led away, that Peter followed from, from a distance. He followed the, 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 the group of soldiers taking Jesus uh, under arrest. But while Jesus was being questioned inside the, the high priest's quarters, Peter hung around on the outside of the home and um, he was recognized. And then he was accused of being a follower of Jesus, but Peter denied it. Matthew 26 tells us that for the third time that night, Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man, and immediately the rooster crowed. And suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. But it wasn't just Peter. After Christ's death, where do you find the disciples? Go over to, to uh, John chapter 20. It tells us that that Sunday evening, the Sunday evening of the, of the uh, resurrection, that the disciples were meeting behind what kind of doors? Locked doors, because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Afraid in what way? They were afraid they were going to be crucified. They were afraid they were the next ones up on the cross. So none of these guys were a pillar of strength at that moment. None of them were strong in their faith. They feared for what might be happening to them, but something changed inside of these men. After Jesus appeared to them, they went from being a group of frightened men in hiding to strong and courageous witnesses for Jesus Christ. What happened to these guys that would transform them so quickly? I will tell you, they had seen the risen Christ. And so convinced were these men that Jesus was alive, that every one of these early disciples, of these apostles, every one of them died a martyr's death just a few years later, except for one, a man by the name of John, who because of his witness for Jesus Christ and his faith was, uh, was uh, vanquished, if you will, to a deserted little sliver of, of earth called Patmos. That's what an encounter with Christ will do. An encounter with a religion will not do that for you. But an encounter with the living Christ will transform you into a different individual. What they had was way more than religious conviction and zeal. You know, we see all over the world today a lot of religious conviction and zeal. Religious people who are blowing themselves up along with a lot of innocent people all out of their religious zeal. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about dying for Jesus. I'm talking about living for Jesus every day. You know, anyone, anyone can be a religious person for an hour on Sunday but only people who have had an encounter with the live, living Christ can live a lifetime for him day in and day out. And that's what happened to these disciples. And so changed were they that the Jewish leaders themselves even admitted, you guys are turning the world upside down. The second person I want to talk about who changed is the Apostle Paul. You've probably heard of him. The Apostle Paul wasn't always the Apostle Paul. He was first a Jewish zealot called Saul, 
whose life's mission was to persecute and destroy the church of Jesus Christ. Now, we see that all over the world today. There's an attack against Christianity like never has been. If you're not aware of it, uh, uh, there's threats, especially in the country of Egypt. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Egypt right now. They're really coming under threat that they're going to be annihilated. Well, that's not new for 2017 or 2016. No, this has been going on for a long time. Saul was just like that. And he did it with enthusiasm. He admitted that in Acts chapter 26. He said, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem, authorized by the leading priests. I caused many believers there to be sent to prison, and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities and was on one of those missions chasing down Christians, hunting them down, that the risen Christ appeared to this man named Saul and the sight of the resurrected Christ was so unbelievable, so brilliant, it knocked Saul to the ground. And from that day forward, he was a changed man. His heart changed. His name changed from Saul to Paul. And his mission in life was changed. He became the primary author of the New Testament. If you have a Bible you probably will notice that most of the, of the books of the New Testament were written by this man called Paul. He also became a very great witness for Christ to the, to the Gentiles making this strong confession in Romans chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I see it as the very power of God working for the salvation of everyone who believes it, both Jew and Greek. What was it that changed Saul into Paul? It was an encounter with the risen Christ. So convinced was Paul that Jesus was alive that he wrote these words to the believers who lived in a Greek city called Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. Let that sink in. Your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sin if Christ hasn't been raised. In that case, all who have died believing Christ, they're still lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, I know for certain, because I've seen him, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because, of all, because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's just how important this whole thing called the resurrection is. Now, there are several powerful truths that Paul talks about in these verses. I just want to talk about a couple. First of all, he says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, no one else will ever be raised from the dead either. That's how important his resurrection is. The only way you and I can have assurance of the resurrection from the dead is because Jesus has already done it. And that makes our resurrection someday totally possible. 
The second thing he says in these verses is if Christ was not raised from the dead, then the cross was meaningless. I just want to say if if there are many ways to get to heaven, then Jesus died for nothing. There was absolutely no reason for him to go through the, the scourging, the beating. No reason for him to be nailed to a cross. No reason for him to ever have come in the first place and take on human flesh. You know, if, if Christ is not raised from the dead, the cross is meaningless. The only thing that makes the cross work is the resurrection because the resurrection was God's stamp of approval that Christ's death was full payment, accepted as full payment for our sins. If he hadn't risen from the dead, then none of us here today could be forgiven by God. And you know what? We'd be facing eternity in front of God with no hope. That's why the Apostle Paul then said in verse 19, if our hope is in Christ only in this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. In that verse, Paul's saying that if all Jesus is in this world is just another religious leader, just another religious philosopher, just another religious teacher, just another religious organizer, then it's all for nothing. If he just lived and said some good things and then died, so what? But if he lived and said some powerful things, and yes, was crucified and died, but then rose from the dead, that changes everything. That's why Paul then could say in verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. That's what makes everything different for us in 2017, because Christ is risen. And all those who believe in him will also be raised from the dead, just as he was. And that's why Paul goes on to say in verse 20, he is the first of a great harvest that's happening all over the world of all who have died. Because Jesus was raised to eternal life, we can be part of that great harvest too. We can have eternal life as well. But maybe you're sitting there saying, well, that's fine, but that's a long way off. So what good is it for me now? Well, this is more than just eternal life. This is also abundant life in the here and now. Because 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that Christ's resurrection provides for us not only access to eternity and eternal life, but it also gives us the power to live a new life today, right now, in the everyday of our lives. In other words, we don't have to be slaves to Satan and sin anymore. Whatever the hell's doing to you doesn't have to continue. There's a God who has broken that chain, broken that bondage, and through Jesus Christ can set you free. You know, weekly we get prayer requests from people that, that attend our church or come here as visitors and asking us to pray that, that they'll be able to overcome their addiction or asking us to pray with them that they'll be able to receive healing in their, in their physical bodies or asking us to pray for help in their marriages. And, and I, I take those requests so seriously and we pray so earnestly over them because that's what sin does. Sin enslaves people. Sin addicts people. Sin makes people sick. It doesn't mean if you're sick, you're a sinner. It simply means that's one of the consequences of sin in the world. Sin does it. It kills. It steals. It destroys. 
and, 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 and they want desperately to be set free. But what I'm here to tell you is that because Jesus is alive, you can be set free from all of those things. Because all over this room today are people who know what I'm talking about. They have experienced the freedom of Christ. They were once bound in a lifestyle that had them beaten down and feeling guilty and hopeless about their future. But then a change took place, just like it took place in the Apostle Paul. It wasn't a philosophy that changed them, and it wasn't good intentions that changed them, and it certainly wasn't a religious code that made the difference. What happened is the living Christ came to live within them when they called upon him to become their Savior and Lord. And Jesus made them into a new person, which is exactly what he promised would happen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life is beginning to live within you. You see, sometimes we look at this and we say, well, how could I ever be good enough? I'd love to get my heart to Jesus, but I can never be good enough. But the reality is you don't have to be good enough. He'll be good enough through you. It's not just me improving myself. It's God changing me so that I can become a different person than I used to do. Now, this is the exciting news. This new life is not just for a select few who qualify. It's not just for the special folks. All anyone has to do is surrender their heart to Jesus and say, here's my life, Lord. I want you to be my savior. You don't have to join anything. You don't have to prove yourself first. Well, when I get good enough, then I'll come to Christ. That's like saying, as soon as I'm healthy enough, I'll go to the hospital. <laughs> and yet, how many people say that? As soon as I'm good enough, then I'll go to God. You don't even have to give anything other than your heart. But if you're willing to do that, to give Jesus your heart, to give him your future, God promises that he's going to change you. And I'm here to tell you, he'll change you just like he did the first apostles. That doesn't mean you're going to become an apostle. I'm just saying he's going to change you like he changed those people. And he's going to change you just like he did a killer called Saul and turned him into a the, the greatest apostle of all, the apostle Paul, and he'll change you just like he's done for hundreds of people that are sitting around you right now who once lived in and walked in the bondages of hell, but God has set them free never to go back to that old stuff again. Hallelujah. It's because Jesus is alive. It's because Jesus is alive. Religion won't do it, but Jesus can. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. Years ago, I made the same decision I'm going to ask you to make this morning. And it's just simply this. Do you want Jesus to be your Savior and the Lord of your life? That means he calls the shots. Do you want him to forgive you of your sins so you can lay your head on the pillow at night and not feel the heavy guilt of all that you've done in the past? Do you want to be forgiven of all of that? Know that you're in right standing with God? I tell you what. A lot of people, they say, you know, the, I've, I've done such bad things, I don't think God could forgive me. I'm here to tell you that's a, that's a lie from hell. God will forgive anyone who comes to him, and he'll give you the promise of abundant life now 
and eternal life to come. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.